Welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast. This is your host, Tony Kane. Thank you so much for hanging out and joining us today. I've got a real treat. I've got John All joining us today, the owner and operator of a business called Furnex. So John specializes in office furniture. And John's story is an amazing tale how a young man come all the way over here from the UK, started the family, was working on wages and decided one day that everything had to change for John to build the life that he was after. I'm lucky doing this job. I get to hear firsthand and learn so much from all my guests about how they've built and run amazing businesses. So get the uh, pen ready because there's gold riddled all throughout this podcast and John's little tips are, are so insightful of how you can both build an amazing profitable business, but also you're going to notice how much John cares about his staff and how important it is for him to create an amazing culture inside of his companies. And I'm sure that's led to John having so much success, but also John's really conscious that people are doing it really tough out there. So I hope that if nothing else, you can just get some inspiration from John's story to keep on going through these tough times. So without further ado, let me get into it. And I really hope you enjoy my chat with John Ald today. So, John, thanks for joining us today, buddy. Thanks, TC. Mate, it's really good to have you on, and I need to ask you off the bat. So, take me back, mate. How does a young kid from Scotland make his way all the way to Australia and come to own a very successful business? Oh, well, um, I moved to uh, England when I, was, when I was very young, and um, um, I was a bit of a sportsman. And uh, my father managed to get himself webbed up accidentally in a, a local rugby league team. <laughs> not of not of his choice at all. Uh, okay, I was, I was soccer, and um, we we brought out a few players from a small town uh, just north of Brisbane called Redcliffe in the in the late eighties, and we brought five players out from there as part of a a link up with the uh, rugby league in in the UK to develop teams in non rugby league areas. Right, and um. Cut a long story short, in about 1990, I was studying physiotherapy. My, uh, my soccer career was, was uh, going nowhere. I was <laughs> studying physiotherapy and I got an invite out to Australia for the wedding of one of the players that had come over in the late 80s. And I made the decision to uh, write to a few soccer clubs in the area, in the State League. And I decided to come out to Australia for a year to, to kick a ball around and, and go to my, my friend's wedding. Right, so you you so you flew to what Brisbane, I assume, for the wedding. Yeah, started playing state league soccer. Yes. Per, and then did you make the decision pretty quickly? That's where you could see yourself living long term. Well, the first thing that struck me about living in Brisbane in in those days was that um, everything was so unbelievably cheap. So I found myself within six or nine months with a a beautiful girlfriend and a uh, living in a, a rented rented house, four bedroom house up here in Redcliffe with a swimming pool. And um, feeling I was posh and becks before posh and becks were invented. <laughs> I imagine the, uh, the ray of sunshine didn't hurt either, John. No, it's like being on a permanent holiday. And you know, my, my rent was uh, a quarter of my, my wage working in a warehouse. I was getting a few dollars from, for kicking a ball around, not much, but you know, it was good. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, um, who became my wife, uh, um, was working uh, part time, and we, we just did it easy in those days. It was ridiculous. So, mate, perfect. So you're playing you're playing soccer, and then what about? So when did you start to sort of get your sort of start to go in a different direction with your career, John? Well, it sort of the, the, the soccer really was you know my uh, weekend 
drinking money. And I'd, I'd, I'd got a job um, in a small office furniture business, uh, basically selling office furniture and unloading trucks. And children came around quite quickly. Um, so at, at, at that stage, sort of life drifted away for 10 years. Well, we had three, three kids. Um, I, I worked in an office furniture shop and kicked a ball around for a drink on the weekend and lived quite a basic, enjoyable enjoyable life yep yep it does it does um the kids that early stages it is a bit of a blur isn't it you sort of just bunker down and do what you need to do to get through those younger years don't you yeah look i was living week to week but i was i was still in 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 the feeling here that i was on holiday the the (laughs) weekends the weekends were warm um i had great mates sport and the rest of it and it was a sort of i woke up and i was 30 um (laughs) My kids, my kids were in private in private school um, for no reason whatsoever, um, and we had absolutely no money. And I realised uh, I, I took a trip back to the UK, my first trip back to the UK, and I realised that m- my friends had gone in a different direction, and they'd started their own businesses, and they were becoming quite successful. And although I was married with with, with three kids and living in a a small home. Um, at Deception Bay, north of Redcliffe, I was absolutely penniless, and it, it started to get my mind ticking. Okay, cool. So you've gone over to the UK. You've you've sort of seen that your mates are starting to have success. And was that the first time that you sort of thought maybe being an employee isn't going to get me to where I want to be? Well, I kind of I kind of realised that I'd, I'd borrowed the money from my dad to go back to the UK. When everything went wrong, I'd ring up my dad and say, lend us $100. And I just hadn't grown up. Even though I had a family, I hadn't really grown up. And all of a sudden, this sort of feeling came over me. Is this it? Is this it for the rest of my life that I'm going to be working in a small office furniture company? Which They were fantastic people to me. They were really good to me and paid paid me quite well. But I I, I kind of looked at it and went, oh, my God, is this it for the rest of my life? Am I... um, I uh, destined uh, for for a, a basic life, and I started to get quite depressed depressed with that. But the challenge was was you know what to do next. And John, I love I love this because there's so many listeners out there who where you were there at that point in time, they're there right now. So talk me through. I mean, so did the I suppose sometimes the best gifts come badly wrapped, right? Where you said you started to get quite depressed, but at the same time, were you starting to find the motivation to get pumped up to start something of your own? No, not not really, TC. I, I, I battered on for another couple of years, um, yep. getting increasingly angry with the world, um, increasingly angry with my boss for not having um, huge ambitions, which I had no right to do at all. Yep. Um, I wanted to expand. I wanted to uh, to do things within the business I, I, I was in, but it was just it was just the wrong place. And uh, I had some opportunities to to leave. Um, I had an opportunity back in the UK uh, that I was offered um, through my parents over there. I, I went back for a month and uh, uh, took took long service from my, my work. Went back for six weeks, I think it was, and realised I absolutely had become an Australian yeah. and loved it so much in Queensland. I just couldn't settle and I was back on a plane and back into my job again quite quickly. So it, it took me two, three years to um, come to the uh, uh, realisation that I just c- couldn't 
couldn't keep going on like that. Right. So what then, then what happened after that, John? Well, I, I convinced my boss at work um, to start looking at product that was being made overseas rather than Australian-made product. We were, we were losing sales to a, a, new, a new range of imported furniture, and I, I asked him if I could possibly uh, head overseas. So he didn't want to go down that track. So I, I took two weeks' holiday, went by myself. It was um, the Wild West in China at the time. And <laughs> In the early 2000s, uh, or the very early 2000s, it's a different place than what it is today. And I sort of put on a suit and tie and pretended I was a little bit James Bondy for a while and <laughs> went, went to China and found the product. <laughs> right. And that was the same product that you were, I suppose, manufacturing in Australia. Is that, or was it office furniture? Correct, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I came back and presented to my boss the opportunity to potentially bring in some of this product. Um, it, was ex- it was expensive, it was untried, and obviously it had a poor reputation. And, and quite rightly from his perspective, he, he, he felt that he, he wanted to continue on in the direction of, of Australian product. Um, but uh, I, I was living the, the, the day-to-day of losing quotes to this uh, cheaper product and, and, and different product that was coming in from overseas. So um, whilst watching a, a test match at the Gabba, Um, I'd taken the day off work to go to the test match and after about six beers the phone rang from my boss and um, he wanted me to uh, to to come back in and someone had rang in sick or whatever and I thought do you know what I'm going to do this myself yeah right mate all the uh, all the best ideas usually come after about six beers John Right, I mean, it might have been a few more than six, but we'll go with six for the reason of this phone call. Right, so you're like, no, you know what, I don't want to go back to an office. I've got to, this is the time. I've got to do, I've got to start doing it for myself. Yes, an opportunity had come up within the industry to, um, to, to run their Queensland operations in, in, in steel only in, in filing cabinets. And the owner of that business was uh, uh, a really decent guy. And he offered me up the opportunity uh, with my business partner that we'd, we'd uh, come up with a plan with to distribute his product in Queensland with virtually no cash outlay, which was, which was fortunate. And uh, he would allow us to uh, import all the other product other than the one that he was currently manufacturing in Melbourne. So we got a bit of a leg up uh, straight away that um, we, we sort of hit the ground running. And that, that was in 2004, uh, in November 2004. Gotcha. So, so do you think like, John, I mean, everyone needs, you know, someone once said to me, you know, um, just give me a little bit of luck and I'll, I'll handle the rest. Is, is, was that the catalyst for you? Like you had a little bit of opportunity there. You took that and that gave you the, I suppose, the ability to go and start start this, I suppose, the journey to where you are today? Well, yes, I suppose. I mean, we got a, we got a barrel load of luck that, that we'll get into uh, later on. But this opportunity that I was afforded in, in Queensland had been offered to me for two years and I'd kept knocking it back because the, the concept of leaving a $60,000, $70,000 job, which was quite reasonable at the time, and uh, being unable to support the family was, you know, was, was playing on my mind. Um, so it, it, eventually I took a pay cut and, and the luck came from there, I suppose. But I did take a pay cut and I did make a bit of a jump that was probably not sensible at the time. So a bit of bit of guts, bit of luck and um, away you go. 
I love that, John, because there'd be this. Uh, there's people out there right now. They're probably trying to conjure up the guts side of things, and uh, I like what you said there. You, I've seen a lot of people that I've coached with, John, who have gone out a little bit too early, and I think sometimes you've just got to be patient. And like you said, that opportunity was there for for, for two years, and then you, you went into it at the right time. So, so mate, talk me through it. So, what was uh, what happened from then on in? Well, I'd sold my wife the the the, the, uh, the concept that if I work for myself, I'd no longer have to work Saturdays. Um, I'd also convinced her that if I went into this, that I'd I'd stop playing football, which I was now not getting paid for, and uh, um, you know that was taking up three nights of the week. So I sold her a complete lie in the end because I ended up working <laughs> seven days a week. <laughs> and, and, I went back to play football on the Friday night just uh, just for a bit of sanity. Yeah. But, um, look, we, we we hit the ground running. Um, the concept that we'd been given from from the manufacturer in Melbourne took off because obviously we had stock in in Queensland. Uh, we would get in at three or four o'clock in the morning. We'd unload the containers. That we'd then go on a sales runs in the afternoon. Um, my partner was a little bit older than me. He saw it as his, his, his last chance. Um, and um, we worked all the hours that could be put, put in front of us. And, and quite quickly, we, uh, we managed to grow the business. I think in our first year, we went from uh, virtually zero to, to around about a four $500,000 turnover. Wow. And, and was, that, was that the confidence that you needed to, to understand that you're onto something there, John? Well, look, my success came. My success came from partnering with the, with the right people. Um, my my business partner was a workaholic. He was focused, and um, I, I just ran off his coattails. I, I was able to um, um, work out how to get the product to market, how to do things better quite quickly, and uh, I just followed his lead in terms of the effort that, that had to be put in. And um, it, it worked a treat. And John, when I when I first met you, right, a few years ago, you you talked me through something that I'll never forget. You broke down the key things that a business needs to do well to be successful. Now, for the listeners out there, could, would you mind sharing your sort of philosophy on those key elements, John? Yeah, absolutely. So after we uh, began the the process in, in in Australia of distributing for this Melbourne based company we obviously set about going back and revisiting the factories that I'd visited over in China yep. uh, which was our second second string to, to, to where we are today and I'd spend inordinate amounts of times on airplanes and there's no better place in the world to do your thinking than on airplanes for, for some reason a, a clarity comes across it in the old days of course you could, you wouldn't get phone calls you wouldn't get internet um, it was it was just the place I did my thinking, and I I started up with with what I um, call the five pillars of business, and it it's very simple. And I was trying to work out where we were in the market, why we were there, and what we would need to do to improve. And I came up with five five different pillars. So the first pillar was price, the second pillar supply, innovation, service, and finally marketing in no particular order. So what I, I looked at was individual businesses, including my, my own and people I knew and worldwide businesses, did they get a tick in each one of those five areas? So if we start with price, we were no better, no cheaper, no different. Um, 
and I would give myself, you know, a half tick. Yep. But I even looked at price in terms of if price doesn't matter, like an Apple phone, then you get a tick for that. Yeah. And I worked out quite quickly that if you get a t- if you get one tick, you make a wage. If you get two ticks, you make a fantastic wage. If you get three ticks, you're a millionaire. Four ticks, you're a multi-millionaire. And five ticks, you're a billionaire. And I, I went through it um, and, and worked out, you know, do we get half a tick, three quarters of a tick, a quarter of a tick? And I worked out exactly where I was. And I, I worked out it. my friends' businesses were exactly where they were. And I worked out a company like Apple or, uh, or, or, or others at the time, LG, were exactly where they were. Yep. The fact that they innovated, they had service, they had marketing. So if I looked at my business at the time, um, we had about one and a half ticks and I was making a decent wage. Yeah, right. So what I've tried to do over the, uh, over the last um, 16, 17 years is, is be quite critical uh, of our own business, but see if we can get more and more and more ticks. So, yeah, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, John, you, um, where, 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 you know, as a balanced scorecard, right, how often would you review your, your level of ticks? You know, was it, was it weekly or quarterly? Every, or just... every, every week. So yep. I, I looked at price. We're, we're about ballpark. I've never given myself any more than half a tick for that because, you know, we're not substantially cheaper. Um, with supply, uh, we have great, great supplies in China that we've done – uh, huge amounts of, of work with now at, at, at the moment. Um, we, we go very well with those, but we don't own the supply, so I give myself half a tick there. Yep. Innovation, um, we don't innovate a lot. We, we basically go to the market with what, what we have. But yep. we've started doing a little bit of innovation. I, I give myself a quarter of a tick there. Um, customer service. Uh, we work tirelessly at customer service to make sure that, that we honour warranties, that we keep plenty of stock in. Um, we give ourselves three-quarters of a tick there. Yeah. And marketing, we're about bog standard, uh, which we give ourselves um, half a tick. So we're sitting around about the three-tick mark, um, yep. which, which makes me exactly what I am. <laughs> <laughs> and, John, I love it. I love the simplicity of it. Um, yep. And I look at that now and, you know, Fast forward to 2020, you know, I look at Amazon, you know, as a worldwide yeah. business and I look at, you know, going back to your five pillars and you look at Bezos, you know, price, they, they're never beaten on price. They've got no. more supply, supply than anyone. They innovate. They've got, you know, 20 or 30 different business lines, right, with probably yeah. another 100 in the works. Their service is second to none and their marketing is market leading. And, you know, and Jeff Bezos is a billionaire, you know, and it's so right. – Maybe you might have been onto something early on there, Johnny. Yeah, look, I mean, from our supply thing, if we could, if we could purchase the factories in, in, overseas, we've purchased one in the, in the Middle East. If we could purchase supply overseas, then we, we'd start ticking a bit more. Innovation, um, certainly something that we're going to be looking at um, going forward. If we can innovate, innovation in the office furniture market is, is reasonably difficult, but there are areas that we can do. And, and our marketing platform um, I'm a bit of a, at a loss at the moment, but we're working tirelessly again to, to move that tick up from a quarter to a half 
And I know each time that we move these ticks upwards, um, the results will come. So it's an absolute no-brainer. Hey, John, you know what I, um, I found just in business myself for the last decade and coaching hundreds of clients is the key to what you're saying there is not only implementing those five pillars, but sustaining them. You know, you see companies where the supply is good for a short period of time, or they might be priced well for a short period of time, or they have a, and I see this all the time, they have a marketing blitz or a marketing campaign, but then they drop off. And uh, hence where you find entrepreneurs and owners where their, their profits are inconsistent. They go from great years to terrible years to, to, to great years to average years, you know. So have you found that weekly monitoring has helped you to sort of... You yeah, know, so my, my national sales manager um, has a weekly update on price. Um, I'm the, uh, the man who is in charge of supply. Yep. My job is to, to do the deals with the, the companies overseas. So I always look at that. I have an innovation and marketing manager who is um, in product development. And uh, he's the area that we think that we can substantially improve in. Yep. And I have a national customer service manager that reports to me every week on where we are, what we're doing, what errors we've made so on and so forth. So you're absolutely spot on, TC. Um, keeping um, keeping the, uh, the, the, the ticks that you've got is, is your first port of call. Yeah, I love it. I love how um, I talk about this all the time with businesses of, you know, their strategy and understanding, you know, where they are now, John, where yeah. they want to be, how they're going to get there and who they need to get there. And then most importantly, how they can monitor it. Because a lot of people, you know, they might know where they want to go, but they don't know where they're actually on track or on path to going. So I love that. I love that reporting mechanism that you've got there, John. And uh, what I was going to keen to ask you, you know, obviously times are tough um, and you've been around for a long time and you would have um, experienced some, you know, highs and lows and, uh, and I know right now there are a lot of people out there who, who probably are doing it really tough and you know tougher than ever. So, mate, what would you say to those people and, you know, sort of reflecting back on some really tough times that you've had in business, what would you say to give those people some inspiration to, 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 keep, to keep going essentially? Look, I always go back to, to uh, I mean, look, it, there are some businesses that, that, are, that, are, that are, you know, beyond help at the moment without government intervention. And, and the government has done a fantastic job to, to get people to, uh, to, to find ways of getting people to hang on. But I think, TC, we've got to come to the conclusion if you're in a, if you're in a tourist business or an airline business that, that, that things are, are slightly beyond your control at the moment. However, my dad always said to me, the one thing that you can do, John, is you can you can outwork people. You, you can never outthink them, but you can certainly outwork them. And we've continued to work hard. And any, any businesses, if they continue to work hard, I, I think they'll be fine. I think we'll have a quick turnaround next year. And I, I think things will go back to, to normal. Australians are innovative. They're hardworking. They give themselves a bit of a bad rep here. But I, I travel the world, and I can tell you Australians work quite hard. And they work quite clever and they're really decent, decent people. When you travel overseas and you, you're in airport lounges, um, uh, the, the, the Australians are everywhere. And we should be incredibly proud of where we've come as a nation in the past 20 or 30 years uh, to, to get ourselves on the world stage. Um, in terms of businesses that are struggling at the moment, um, time, time will cure everything, I, I suspect. But... Um, we're in very, very unusual times, Decent. 
Mate, I um, I'm glad you said that. Like, I've been fortunate enough, John, to have you know a, a business background in both the coaching space, but also in the financial planning space. And one thing I say to clients all the time is at the in, uh, the conversation maybe at the moment is this is a moment in time and, you know, we're all going to get old and, you know, we're going to get to our last days of our life at the, at some point. And what I've been sort of saying to clients, and I, I, I believe this to be true to my core, John, is that if you're on your deathbed and you're 90 years old and someone said to you, listen, Tony or John, when you're, when you're in your mid-40s or mid-50s, I'm going to give you a year where the world's, you know, basically going to come to a grinding halt, but you can spend a stack of time hanging out with the people that you care about the most – you know, it's going to cost you a fair bit of money. Would you make that deal with me? And I can guarantee you, if you went to a nursing home, there'd be a lot of people that would make that deal, you know, in hindsight. And I think, I generally think sometimes the best gifts do come badly wrapped, John. Like, albeit everyone's bottom lines are getting affected, but there is a bit of a silver lining, I genuinely believe. What would you say to that, buddy? Well, I'd agree with you in terms of, in terms of myself, Tony, I think anybody who started a business in the last year would disagree with you. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. You, you know, I, for me, 16 years down the track, we've put our money away. We've invested wisely. We, we, we can afford to, to ride this through. But people, people who, have, who are small business or people who have had a, just a startup, then, you know, it hasn't probably come at the best time and they, they probably won't look back. I agree with you. I'll look back at this time, a great time of reflection and a great time to be... Uh, to be up here in Queensland and a, and a, and a great time to, to, do, uh, to do some thinking. But I've also got to think clearly about my, my staff in Melbourne who are going through a, a really rough time at the moment. And I've got quite a lot of customers that have just started up and they are in real, real, real trouble. So I think if we could pick the time, yeah, you're yeah. right. Um, and it, it, it might have been the right time for me and possibly for you, but I think we've got to be mindful of the fact it's an appalling time for a lot of people. Of course, of course. And John, mate, um, like one thing I'm always curious and I, I lucky, I'm lucky as the host of this podcast, I, I get to do this and my job I see is going out there to the brightest and smartest minds, you know, getting all that information and then deciphering it down to the listeners. And mate, one thing I always, I always wonder, and I get a lot of these questions from my listeners is, you know, you're, you know, you've achieved success, right? Uh, in business. How do you stay motivated? Like what is it? What gets you out of bed? Is it is it increasing those ticks, John? Or is it looking after your staff? What's the thing that gets you motivated to keep going? Well, look, I've always um, it might be an obsession of a child uh, and the, the love affair between a, a boy and his ball, but um, I've always looked at things as if, as if I'm running a football club. And one of the main things that I've spotted about businesses, and it, and, and I think it's a terrible trait, is Business people will sit around, and um, I'm sure you've been across this. They will absolutely castigate and criticise the people that work for them. But the, the problem is the boss. And I think if you've got a, a football side, and you it, it, you know whether it be rugby league or AFL, you don't you don't sit down the pub and absolutely castigate your players. You you replace the ones that need replacing, and you upskill the ones that you've got i think it's the worst trait that we have in business is that we sit around and we castigate our staff or our staff are a pain in the ass i hear it hundreds of times staff are the reason that we've been successful and we've got we've got the most magnificent staff 
and we've done really really well because of that and you know you'll get the odd people that 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 um, are difficult but the, the boss has the ability to move those people on and get the staff that they want but some of the negativity that you hear business people with about their own staff really uh, really shocks me mate i love that and john talk to me talk to me more about that in terms of as the owner or your business what you do to create a great culture because i one thing i think john that gets lost on a lot of people is exactly what you mentioned there but i think business owners forget that you know some of the our staff's lives can be quite chaotic and and coming to work is a a sanctuary for them. It's a safe place. So do you put a lot of emphasis on on that, creating that culture? Yeah. So we've started a well business program within what, what we noticed uh, we we employ a lot of young males. Um, We're in obviously logistics, warehousing, unloading containers. Yeah. And what what we found was that that most of our guys were, um, finding it difficult to to cope with breakups, finding it difficult to cope with finance, even little things where we we found out that, you know, half of our staff have got multiple phone um, contracts where they've lost their phone, just got another contract, lost their phone, just got another contract. And we started working with our staff on on well-being and financial well-being, but also well-being and fitness and all that sort of stuff. And and we hope it's, we hope it's, work well we've we've had um, an enormous reduction in, in sick time and we've had an, an enormous reduction in losing people over the period that that we've done this and that, that's sort of on the base level on, on the upper level what we've done with with the staff that uh, in, in, in my senior people and if I go through briefly with them most of my senior people have been with me throughout most of the journey some of them have been with me since they're 14 years of age and what we've done is upskilled them and constantly upskilled them. I've got a business coach who constantly tells me not to do that, who constantly tells me that you've got to find the right people to progress you. And I suppose there'll be a balance somewhere in that. But what we've done is we've tried to get the same people that we've had for a start with from the start. We've tried to upskill them and upskill them and upskill them and, and get them on board uh, with, with the correct education. And we found that that uh, those people um, have done enormously well. I love it. And, and I suppose the benefit of that is the, the more people that have been there from the early days, it, you start to have that, um, that fabric creation that you can't just build overnight. They become, you know, they start to become a part of this, you know, it's like going back to your rugby league and, and, and you know, sports, um, I suppose analogy, John. It's that you're creating a bit of a, a history, you know, with clubs. You know, there's they've, they've had they've had grand finals together and what have you. you know, it just creates this whole, I suppose, fabrication of a company, which I love. And mate, I, I, I know from from knowing you well how how important that is to you. And I, um, you know, you'll be embarrassed to probably say, but I'm sure that you've had such a massive impact on both the financial um, and the well-being of, of many of your, your staff's lives. And I think a lot of business owners and going through tough times, they probably don't give themselves enough of a pat on the back about that, of how much of an impact they've had on so many of their staff's lives. So but I, I take my hat off to anyone, John, who has built a business of your size, because I know how many people you would have positively impacted along that journey, mate. So um I know you might be embarrassed to hear that, but I, I think a lot of business owners listening out there, they should, they should probably stop and reflect on that a little bit because that's a massive achievement. 
Yeah, look, I, look, it's incredibly important. I think you, I think you know you're going okay when your staff buy you a drink. <laughs> it's a good measurement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've had that quite. A bit. I mean, I, it might be a bit embarrassed for me to mention him, but we, we have a young lad that, that came to me at 15 years of age. He was our goalkeeper, um, and he wanted to 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 run his own gym eventually. And um, after after the first day of unloading containers when he couldn't actually pick up a box, I said, I think you might be heading in the wrong direction. <laughs> He's been with me for 16 years since we started. He runs my Western Australian branch completely. He never finishes grade 10. Um, the staff over there idolise him. He, he'll take his staff out himself without using the company credit card. And... He owns two or three houses in Western Australia, or actually a couple of houses here and one in Western Australia. And he's an enormous success story. He's, he's, he's only just turned 30. And uh, he runs a team of 15, 20 people over there. And the monumental success he's had in Western Australia is just, um, it's just heartwarming, really is. Mate, you know what? I love that. I, I absolutely love it. And that probably goes back to that question I asked you before. He's like, what keeps you motivated? I mean, the, for me... Oh, I, I just can't get enough of those stories. There should be a book written about just that, that, that guy in your business was, he's coming from nothing from, you know, under the goalposts into now, you know, running a team of 20 people at 30 years of age. Or, or yeah. I think that's what, it's, that's what it's all about. And, and Joe, mate, I know you've got a big business to run, so I'm not going to hold you up, champion. But the last question I want to ask you, and I finish off all my podcasts asking this question is, mate, I know you've had a huge success and you've built up a, an amazing business, but Looking forward, you know, what would have to have happened in the next 10 years, right, for you to feel like you've had a, you've had a really good next decade for you personally and professionally, John? Well, we're looking at expanding out of, uh, out of our, uh, traditional, our traditional office furniture space. So I'd like to see if it's possible to transfer this model into some other industries. Um, the second thing that I'm doing, and we've already begun this, and perhaps we can talk about this at a later date, when, when it's become a success. But um, I decided to get involved in the indigenous space uh, two years ago, mainly, and, and you might not like to hear this, but mainly because I, I sit down and watch Queensland uh, beat New South Wales <laughs> with, with regularity. I can okay. edit that out. That's all right. Um, no, yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, but the, the plight of the indigenous communities here in Queensland is, is quite distressing. Um, and I decided at some point I, I was going to try and make a difference. And I partnered up with a, a, a fantastic young guy called Ramon Close, who's an who's a, a ex-professional soccer player. And between him and me, we've decided to move into a, a community in, in Queensland. And we've decided to open a manufacturing business there and see if we can actually bring, uh, uh, you know, some employment opportunities within that within that space now we've done it without any government funding or any government help whatsoever and at the moment it's uh, we've got four staff and it's it, it, it's starting to work really 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 well and i'd like to come back to you maybe in a in six months or a year's time and, and let you know how we've gone there because we think we have the blueprint of taking manufacturing or business to these communities where you, where you have six, seven, eight hundred unemployed people that can walk to work. They have the premises there that have been built and, and, and generally are, are not used. 
we think we can make an enormous difference. So from a business point of view, to answer your question, I'd like to see if, if what we've done in, in the office furniture space can be mimicked into another area. And we've, we're, we're looking at um, maybe gym equipment or uh, clothing. Um, and secondly, I'd like to see if I can make an enormous difference uh, along with Ramon in, in an indigenous community and maybe turn things around in that area. John, I love it, mate. And I think what you've said and have done there, business doesn't have to be, you know, a zero-sum game. It doesn't have to be like a winner and loser. And I think that creating that shared value where obviously, you know, Fernex, you know, as a, as a company can continue to grow, but you're making a difference in the community. And, and I'm happy to say from being in my job, John, that, the new entrepreneurs, the modern day entrepreneurs like yourself, they actually, they're not just profit mongers. They're actually trying to make a difference. And I, I'm probably very optimistic about the world at large. I think overall there's a lot of people trying to make, you know, the world a better place. And I think business is one of the best ways to do that. So mate, I absolutely will come back to you. I love, um, mate, all the best with that. I'd be super keen to, to see how that goes and hopefully um, it goes really well. And it's replicated not only amongst your business, but, across many businesses where, you know, if they need, if they need to set up some infrastructure, why not do it in communities where it would make such a big difference like, like you've done? Well, yep. Once you think you're in, you're out is always my motto. And you've just got to make sure that, <laughs> that, you, that you, you, keep, you keep going. Um, uh, I, I remember I was lucky enough just quickly before you go, Tony, um, I was lucky enough to get, um, upgraded to, to first class once it was the first time in my life and I I really thought I'd made it I I was wandering around with a glass of red wine in my hand thinking geez John you've come a long way and I went and sat back in my seat and uh, forgot I'd put it into the recline position and poured the red wine straight in my face and I thought <laughs> there you go that's a lesson son <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, mate. Mate, this has been brilliant. Oh, I know, I know uh, I've got the pen out. I've take it, taken plenty of notes and I, I know that, um, yeah, I know that there's a lot of people listening out there who, who would have got a lot of inspiration out of this, John, who in particular, the, those who are going through a tough time. And uh, mate, thank you so much for coming on board today, buddy. Keep, keep laughing. I know that that was a bit more of a, uh, a sort of, uh, um, well, to do type of a meeting, but you've got to keep laughing all your way through as much as you can. And uh, anybody who's listening in, in Victoria, um, keep your heads up. Um, you'll be back at the footy soon where you, where you want to be. And uh, I'll be down there having a drink with you. I really hope you enjoyed that. I know I learnt a stack there. You know, a couple of principles John have, you know, his five tick system where he can give himself a really easy scorecard of where he's at and what he needs to improve on. I really enjoyed that, but I and I think that's something that we could all implement into our businesses really quickly and really easily. And you could just have that on the back of an envelope or in your wallet where you could constantly chase that sort of never ending improvement and keep trying to get your business to a level where you know it's the best it can be so guys take care i know it's a tough time so hang in there and i really appreciate you hanging out with us on this podcast look forward to catching up on the next episode